Hello, welcome to the Hail Maryland podcast. I'm Ruin Shunker. And I'm Jacob Steinberg. And we're here to preview the UMD football season with you guys. So let me give you a quick overview of how the show is going to go. We have 10 big questions for UMD football. And after answering those, we're going to give our final win predictions for the season. Jacob, how are you feeling about the season so far, Matt? We're, we're actually getting a season. We didn't think we'd get this. I know, that's true. We didn't think we'd get this. Um, some of the other major conferences in college football, the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12 have all been playing. So I'm definitely excited to get Big Ten football coming back soon. It felt like college football was back once the SEC started, but it's going to feel like that even more once the Big Ten returns. Right. It's going to be different this year, obviously. There's going to be no fans in the stadiums. There's obviously the added implication of everything Corona going on. I mean, we saw a day ago, Nick Saban got COVID. So Everyone stay safe, obviously, is number one. But this is a really interesting season for the Terps. You've got Loxley's second year. You've got two quarterbacks battling it out. You've got some exciting young pieces on the offense. It's a really young team, and maybe they don't have the success this year. But if you start building it up, I think this is a, I think this is a really crucial season for Loxley. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's definitely a crucial season. As you said, the biggest storyline surrounding Maryland football has been their quarterback battle. Coach Loxley. Oxley has not publicly committed to a quarterback yet. The season opener against Northwestern is nine days away. I believe, and he said it in the press conference yesterday, that they have decided on a quarterback internally. They have not divulged that out to the media, which makes sense, trying to leave their week one opponent, Northwestern, guessing a little bit. But both quarterbacks have shown positive signs in camp so far. As Loxley said, you have Talia Tagovailoa, the younger brother of Tua, an Alabama transfer who was granted a waiver and who many people think is probably going to end up the start, the starter, myself included. And then you have Lance Lejean, who's another quarterback on the roster as well, who's a redshirt freshman. He had a strong season last year, uh, showed some flashes. He only did throw 13 passes for 104 yards, though. So there's that factor. You don't know necessarily know what you're going to get from him in terms of the passing side. But Coach Loxley has said that he's seen positive signs from both quarterbacks in camp so far, and it's definitely going to be something to watch throughout the season. Yeah, so that was the first question. We're going to do 10 questions. So the first question is, who's going to start at QB? You think it's going to be Talia, and I tend to agree with you. You saw Lejean tweet uh, a couple of days ago on October 12th. He tweeted, it's a business. I don't expect nothing less. So, you know, that listen, we're speculating like crazy here, but that doesn't seem like a guy who just was told that he's going to be starting week one. And it's going to be really interesting because uh, Loxley was talking about how both quarterbacks have some experience with the system that he's going to be running. You obviously Lance was here last year. And so he saw what Loxley did, but Talia came from Alabama and at Alabama, they ran a very similar system. Obviously Loxley was, uh, was a coach there before and won the Broyles uh, award there, but I'm really going to be interested to see if Talia is a starting quarterback, how does Loxley make his life easier? Because These are two inexperienced quarterbacks. You've got 15 total completions between the two of them. So you've got to make their lives easier as the season goes on. So how would you make life easier for, you know, a rookie quarterback like that or a sophomore quarterback, a young quarterback? Yeah, I I think there's a lot of ways you could make it easier for number one. I think the area where Lance has a little bit of an advantage is that 
as you mentioned, the second year in the playbook, having that familiarity with the playbook. And I'm sure Talia has dove right in as soon as he got to College Park, but still he's a little bit behind. So definitely um, curtailing the playbook and catering it to their needs, but uh, which we're going to talk about a little bit more moving forward. I don't want to go too much into it, but the Terps have a really talented receiving core with young standout freshman Rakeem Jarrett. They have some other returning guys as well. So having those strong receivers can definitely help, but ultimately it's going to, the biggest onus it's going to be on is going to be on the offensive line. The Terps offensive line, they have a lot of returning people returning from last year, but they've also struggled in, in pass protection a lot last year. They gave up a lot of sacks. That's something that Loxley brought up during the most recent press conference and said that they're going to need to be better at. So I think the biggest thing in order to help out the young quarterback is a trying to uh, cater the playbook to what he does well, whether that's Talia starting or Lance starting. Loxley knows them both pretty well. So whichever guy ends up being named the starter, catering the playbook to their needs is going to be important. And also offensive line play is going to be really important as well. Yeah. So listen, I'm really, we'll get to Jared in a second, but I think some things you could do just from like a play calling standpoint, play action is something that really helps quarterbacks. And if you look at the numbers with and without play action, it really helps to, you know, you get the quarterback in rhythm, you get the linebacker stepping up a little bit. And even if you don't have an efficient run game, it's been shown that play action is really helpful. So I'd really like to see some play action on first and second down where the defense is going to be showing more simplistic coverages rather than on third down where they're going to probably go with something more exotic. And then something that, I, you know, everything should be taken with a grain of salt because we haven't been able to watch any practices. So we don't really have a feel for it, but it does look like from the short clips that we've been given that Loxley's offense uses a lot of pre-snap motion. Is that right? Yeah, I would say that's fair. I think both Loxley and Scotty Montgomery have shown that uh, in the past. And I think that as you've seen a lot in the NFL, as you talked about, pre-snap motion is a key for a lot of the successful offenses in the NFL. And it's starting to become a more popular trend in college as well. Right, exactly. And what pre-snap motion allows you to do is it gives you as the quarterback, more information, right? If you motion receiver from the left side of the formation to the right side, and you see that his corner follows him, now you know it's man coverage. So that it's it's one less processing step that the quarterback needs to take that you want to make it as simple for these guys as possible, right? Pre-snap, you want to give them quick, easy reads with the RPOs, make their lives easier because they're young. You want to, You want them focusing on two things, not eight things. So let's move on to the next question, which is the, the weapons they're going to have. And uh, listen, I don't want to inflate expectations, but Rakeem Jarrett, what do we expect from him? Well, there are really high expectations, and he knows it. I mean, he's a local kid. He stayed here. He had offers from LSU and Alabama. Everybody thought he was going to end up going to LSU initially, and then he decided to come to Maryland, which Coach Loxley and I'm sure Maryland fans were very happy about. I mean, he's the highest-ranked recruit Maryland's had since Stephon Diggs, and we all know the great success that he had at Maryland and the great success that he's having in the NFL right now. So Jared definitely has high expectations, but at, this, at the same time, I feel like the fact that he's playing for his hometown team is really going to benefit him in the long run because it's a it's a place that he knows well it's a place that he feels comfortable with it's a place that he's been around a lot but I think that if the Maryland receiving core is going to live up to their true potential and going to be one of the strengths of this team which it really should be Rakeem Jarrett is going to be a big part of that right and you talked about it being a strength that's a really really deep area of this team and we're going to get to that in a second but what I think is important about Jarrett is He's got all the physical tools, right? He's six six foot, two hundred pounds, and he runs he runs a good time. And what I'm really impressed with him is that he seems to have a good understanding of route running, like the nuances of leverage and fakes, and really being able to get into his route and getting into the stem of his route really well. And so that's something that 
it's something that's going to obviously get better over his time at Maryland, but to, for him to come in with those skills, I think should make him a day one contributor. So curious to see where they're going to put him. Are they going to put him in the slot? Are they going to put him on the outside? I think if you give him in the slot, he's going to have a lot of two-way releases. So there's some advantages you're going to have there, but I think he's going to be a key focus for this team, even if it's an experienced group. And that can bring us to our next question with such depth at the wide receiver position. What are realistic expectations for that group and who could potentially step up for this team? Yeah, I think this is probably, I think you could make a solid argument. This is the deepest group on the roster. I mean, you have young guys like Rakeem Jarrett. You have Jay Sean Jones returning from a torn ACL, who was the Terps' most productive receiver two years ago. You have guys like Dante Demas as well and Brian Cobbs both returning. So not only do you have some talented youth, but you also have a lot of veteran experience, which is ideal for a team to have because when you have these young players with a lot of expectations and defenses are going to key in, key in on them they're not going to be able to do that as much with the depth that the Terps have whether it's Jay Sean Jones whether it's Dante Demas whether it's Brian Cobbs defenses are also going to have to game plan for those other receivers as well and I know Varun you're only a freshman so you weren't here but when I my sophomore year and my freshman year Jay Sean Jones is absolutely lighting it up against Texas I mean he's he's electric to watch he's already shown some impressive catches in camp and he talked about how excited he is to be back on the field now that he tore his ACL last year and one thing that I want to bring up about Jay Sean that he talked about in his media availability a couple weeks ago was he talked about how despite not being able to play last year he was in all the meetings and at all the games which really helped him because although he wasn't on the field actually participating he felt like he was able to learn through his teammates learn more in the meetings see what was working and what wasn't working and that's only going to be even more beneficial with this second year in uh, coach Loxley and coach Montgomery's offensive system. You know, I'm curious about Jones because if you look at his statistics, they're they're definitely intriguing, right? You've got uh, 18 rushes for 173 yards and then 22 receptions for another 288. And that's all in, you know, pretty limited, um, 12 games, right? So, and that's as a freshman. So there's some big playability. What are you going to, what do you think his role is going to be in this offense? I think he's going to have a very large role. I mean, speaking about Jay Sean, he's a just as a fan, really fun to watch, but also he's just one of those players. He's electrifying. Once he catches the ball in the open field, you always think that he's going to be able to take it all the way and, and make it a big play. And you need guys like that on your offense because opposing defensive coordinators are going to key in on those guys and try and limit their production, which is going to leave opportunities for guys like Rakeem Jarrett, Dante Demas, and Brian Cobbs uh, to be open and potentially for them to have bigger roles as well. But I think Jay Sean Jones is definitely going to have have a big impact for this offense, not only uh, in, in the receiving game, but also, as you mentioned, he, he's an explosive rusher as well, maybe on some jet sweeps and plays like that. You could definitely see him get involved as well. Yeah, he threw a touchdown as well, right, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. So yes, you could see there's some trick play potential there, catch defenses off guard. One other, so, you know, what are who do you think is going to be, if we're looking at the end of the year and we're saying – this person had the biggest impact on offense. If you had to pick between Cobbs, Jarrett, Jayshon Jones, and Dante Demas, who are you going to pick? Uh, I'm going to pick Jayshon Jones in that just because I've seen him play and I know what he can produce. It wouldn't surprise me if it's Rakeem Jarrett, considering just how talented he is, as we talked about earlier in the episode. But I think that given Rakeem, I think defenses, are, especially early on, are probably going to key in on him, seeing how explosive he is. So I think his production might be a little limited at the beginning of, of the year, and then he'll continue to improve as the year goes on and maybe finish the year stronger than he starts. But if I had to take one, I would probably say Jayshon Jones. Who would you say? I think I'm going to go with Jarrett just because 
I think I just want to bet on the talent. You know, there's just so much ability there. I feel like I feel like he's just going to be electric from the second he steps on the field. I, I, I there's there's something about the pure raw athleticism combined with that route running ability that I think is going to really enable him to be really special just as a freshman. And to, whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Lance or Talia, they're going to benefit so much from this because this team doesn't really have any solid tight end option that's been there, you know, a tight end option that you're going to be worried about, right? And so having a guy, having four receivers like they're going to have is going to be so key when they come out in four receiver one back sets instead of having a tight end there because then you could have all your electric playmakers on the field at one time. So I think I think that the, their depth at the wide receiver position is going to be really crucial to the offense they're going to run. And that brings us to the next question. How will the second full season of Mike Loxley's system benefit the offense as a whole? Yeah, I think it's going to benefit the offense greatly, not not just Coach Loxley, but also Coach Montgomery as well. They have pretty similar offensive philosophies, which they, they've instilled thus far. And Coach Loxley talked about it in his most recent press press conference, how he's seen great improvement from the offense from the first scrimmage to the second scrimmage. In the first scrimmage, the defense was playing much better than the offense, which is to be anticipated and is usually the sign, even in NFL training camps. But Coach Loxley talked about how in this most recent scrimmage, the Turks had some big plays offensively. They also had some longer sustained drives, both signs that are extremely encouraging. And what you want to see from a young offense at the start, because especially this year, there's no out-of-conference easy games at the start, like playing Howard or a Towson or a school like that. You go right into Big Ten play, so you cannot afford to start slow, which is something that, to the Terps' credit, well, they haven't enjoyed much success collectively throughout recent seasons. They have gotten off to strong starts every single season. I believe they've won 10 or 11 season openers, which is, the I think, fourth or fifth longest streak in college football. So they definitely always started the year strong, and I think that offensive familiarity is definitely going to help them do that. Do you think they're going to throw the ball a lot more this year just because of where the strength of the team is? I could see them airing it out more, but I also think there's a little bit of caution with that because while the offensive line could be a position of strength for this group with a lot of returning guys with two young quarterbacks, I feel like they're going to try and have a healthy balance between running the ball and passing the ball, because I know we're going to talk about the running backs in the next question. So I don't want to talk too much about them, but similar to the wide receiver position, you do have a nice mix of youth with also some veterans in the room. So I definitely feel like the Terps are also going to have a a healthy dose of running the ball as well, considering that with two young quarterbacks, you don't want to develop into too much of an air raid offense. You don't want to put them in that tough position, especially with the tough luck the Terps have had with injuries at the quarterback position in the past. Right. So let's get to the question about the running backs. With Javon Leak and Anthony McFarland moving on to the NFL, what should fans expect from the Terps running back group this season? Yeah, I think there's I, I, I actually really like this group a lot. I think that they're going to su- surprise some people. I think that they're going to have a really solid year. I, you have a couple seniors in the backfield like Jake Funk and Tayon Fleet Davis who have plenty of experience. Jake Funk has battled a couple torn ACL. But when he's been on the field, he's shown some bright flashes for the team. And he's also developed as a leader for them. And then you have two really talented freshmen. You have Penny Boone and Isaiah Jacobs, the younger brother of Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, who should be a good addition for this team. And I'm really interested to see what this running back group turns out to be. I'm interested to be if there's one bell cow that kind of turns into that. I doubt it. I have a feeling that Coach Loxley and the offense are going to develop more of a Uh, committee system. And I think that all four running backs are going to have a key part of the offense. And I think that's something that's really going to benefit Maryland as well. Going back to our conversation about the receivers is that defenses don't necessarily know which running back to prepare for. They got to prepare for all four of them, which is another added challenge, especially in this, in this daunting big 10 conference with some of the really good defenses that Maryland's going to play like Ohio state and Penn state. 
Yeah, I think you're definitely higher on this running back group than I am because I don't know, man. I, I, I'm i just not seeing it for right now. Funk is coming off. Like you said, it's two torn ACLs. You know, one torn ACL is hard enough to come back from. But after two, what's his shifting is going to look like? And he's flashed in the past. Don't get me wrong. But he flashed against some bad Howard and Syracuse teams before he had the injury. I think for these guys, you know, I don't think you're, you can expect big playability. Like, I, I like Boone, but I think he's going to take some time to develop. And I think that what's really going to be important for this running back group is to keep the offense on schedule. They're going to need, whether that means, you know, if it's first and 10, you got to get four yards. You got to pound ahead and make sure you don't lose yards and that you're always moving forward. More importantly, I'd like to see them catch the ball out of the backfield and pass protect really well. That's a huge part of being a running back in the modern game. You've got to be able to pass protect really well. And if they're able to do that, I think that their contributions, while maybe not notable on the stat sheet, will be shown in how the offense is able to stay on schedule and keep moving positively. Yeah, definitely. I think featuring the running backs in the receiving game is something that Maryland has had a lot of success with, whether it's Anthony McFarlane and Javon Leak, and citing some of the uh, potential issues with the offensive line, even though they are returning some people. I don't think that Maryland's just going to be able to run the ball down people's throats, and I don't think really anybody expects that. I think that in order to get these running backs involved more, they're going to have to be really important and not only blitz pickup and helping out the young quarterbacks, but also in the receiving game as well. Let's move quickly. Uh, there's a question. I'm, I'm going to skip the sixth question and move to the seventh quickly. Let's talk about the offensive line because they lost two of last year's starting five offensive linemen. What's that unit going to shape up like this year? I think it's 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 really focused on one guy, and I know it's a five-man unit, but to me, if this guy has a strong year, he's going to set the tone for the whole offensive line, and I think he's going to have a strong year. Let, let me guess who you're going to say. Jalen Duncan. Well, I'm not going to say Jalen. Oh, I'm actually, I'm actually going to say Johnny Jordan, who okay, was just announced was named to the preseason watch list for the Remington trophy, which is the nation's top center. Jordan has consistently been uh, one of the Terps best offensive linemen in the past couple of years. And at least in my view, center is by far the most important position on the offensive line, because not only are you snapping the ball to the quarterback, but you're also helping the quarterback with all the signals and everything like that. So center is a vital position, but Jalen Duncan is another guy you, you mentioned as well as uh, Marcus Miner, who's moving inside this year. He's moving to guard when he played tackle in the past. So it's definitely, it's definitely uh, going to be an interesting group, but I also think a group that could potentially surprise some people as well. I think they're probably going to struggle initially because one of the most important things that an offensive line can do is have continuity and build that chemistry. But coach Loxley did say along with those three and Spencer Anderson, another young lineman, those are four guys on the Terps offensive line group that Loxley feels really confident in and that he's really been impressed with their development because Loxley also pointed out in the press conference yesterday, how offensive line is one of those positions where you can't rush development. You need to move guys along slowly because if you rush them along, that could potentially be catastrophic for their careers and also potentially be catastrophic for your young quarterback or running backs or skill position players who they're designed to protect. So I think Johnny Jordan sets the tone for this offensive line this year. And if Maryland is going to want to have success this year, this offensive line is going to need to play better than they did last year. Coach Loxley knows that. And I think the unit knows that as well. Yeah, the point you made about Jordan is huge, right? Because... We talked about making things easier for a young quarterback. And part of that is take stuff off of his plate. So if Talia or Lance don't have to call out protections, right? If they don't have to identify the middle linebacker, if they don't have to identify blitzes coming off the side, 
And if they have Johnny Jordan, who's able to do that as a senior, as a really experienced guy, as a really good offensive lineman, that's going to be such a, such a helpful part of this offense. That's really going to make their games more simple and in hopefully make them more, uh, make them more effective through this year. Offensive lineman, offensive line is a lot about chemistry, right? It's about if you're handling stunts, you got to know, you got to pass stuff on really well. It's kind of like, it's almost like playing in the secondary, but it's in a much more condensed space. These guys don't have much chemistry, but they're going to have some. And what Loxley said that was really interesting was he likes the starting group. He thinks it's going to be really good. Actually. He thought it was, he could be a strength of this uh, team. But the question is, if you have injuries and you have to start bringing up guys, like you said, you can't rush development, but if you have to put in some young guys based on the way that Maryland is recruited, where does that leave you in the middle of the year? Say Duncan goes down or Jordan goes down or minor goes down and you find yourself playing freshmen who maybe shouldn't be playing just yet, but you have to, because they're, they have to step up. And that's where I think the key for this offensive offensive line is going to be, because if they can't protect the quarterback with regularity, you can't have a functioning offense. I mean, we're seeing that right now with the Washington NFL team, right? They can't protect and you can't even get into the most simple of pass plays because the quarterback's on his butt the entire time. Yeah, that's a really good point you bring up. And I think the one thing that's going to help Maryland with that a little bit is that Coach Loxley, they signed several JUCO guys this past offseason and signing those JUCO, those JUCO guys, excuse me, they did a heavy focus on both the offensive line and defensive line. And so building the team in the trenches. And like you said, Coach Loxley was a little bit concerned about the depth, but having some of those JUCO guys that could potentially step in there who, while they're happy haven't played at the collegiate level they have or at the major college level they have played at the junior college level so having at least a little bit of experience there is going to be important but as you said Varun health is going to be paramount for this team but particularly in the offensive line considering how important that group is is going to be for Maryland's success this year all right moving on to the next question who's a player that could step up into a much bigger role and be a key contributor this year so we've been talking a lot about the offense so far. And for this question, I want to lean more towards the defense and I want to focus on I did two too. The, the two guys that I have in mind is first sophomore linebacker, Cortez Andrews. Cortez Andrews uh, appeared in four games last year. He was mostly on special teams, which is what you see in a lot of these young players. They get their snaps on special teams to get used to the speed and physicality of college football coming from high school, especially playing in a conference like the Big Ten. But Cortez Andrews, I think, is going to step up and be a leader in the linebacking room this year. You, were, you already saw he met with the media a couple weeks ago. He was a really articulate kid. He was, he was a lot of fun to listen to. And you could tell just how excited he was to have a more expanded role this year and he talked about how last year against Michigan State he had one of his best games and that was obviously the last game that Maryland played so he's very excited to get back this year and then another guy that I want to focus on is Lautez Rogers who's a defensive lineman he appeared in 10 of 12 games last season he didn't play uh He didn't play too much in those 10 games. He had some isolated snaps here and there, but coach Loxley mentioned during yesterday's press conference, how he's a guy that's really impressed Loxley throughout training camp and who they're expecting to have a bigger role. So for Maryland's defense to live up to its true potential and potentially play better than I think a lot of people have expectations for and myself included, I think that Andrews and Lottez Rogers are going to be two keys for that to happen. So with Andrews, is he going to be one of the starting three linebackers? Because I think you've got, Ayin Alay, who's going to be one. I think Chance Campbell is going to be another guy. Start. So do you think that he slots into that third slot there? I think he could play there. I think that Shaq Smith is another guy. I think this 
this is an another area that could potentially be a strength for this Maryland team. I'd say probably their biggest strength on the defensive side of the ball, as you said, having guys like Chance Campbell and AC Lee who have are both extremely experienced and who coach Loxley thinks very high of. So while Andrews might not necessarily play as much at the start of the year, I think that as the season continues, he's definitely going to progress and be one of those key players and, and help out the younger guys because he talked about Keandre Jones, the Clemson transfer, or excuse me, Ohio state transfer, uh, from last year who uh, graduated and moved on to the NFL. He was really big for Cortez's development. And I think Cortez wants to pay that forward and do it for some of the younger linebackers and other defensive players on the roster as well. So mine's actually going to be a guy that we just talked about. I think, uh, I think Chance Campbell could really have a strong, a much stronger season than he did last year. He was a good tackler last year. You know, he had 54 tackles, 4.5 for loss. I think that he's a guy who really needs to be an anchor in the middle of that defense. And I'm really curious to see who's going to take the quote quarterback of the defense role that, you know, that middle linebackers normally take. Is it going to be LA? Is it going to be Campbell? Or is it going to be someone else? Because John Hoke's going to call the plays, but how's it going to be related to the rest of the defense? And I think that's a really key part of being a linebacker that's sometimes overlooked. So I'm curious to see how that translates and how that kind of communication develops throughout the year, because this is a young team. And with Campbell being a junior now, he's one of the more experienced guys that should really help him. Losing two of the biggest leaders on last year's defense in Keandre Jones and Antoine Brooks, who's going to step up into a leadership role on the defensive side of the ball? So we just talked a lot about the linebacker position. I think those guys that we mentioned are definitely going to be able to step up and into some more leadership roles. But I want to transition. I want to talk about the secondary. And two guys who particularly stand out to me are Nick Cross, sophomore, and Antoine Rich. Richardson, a senior. I want to start with Nick Cross. Nick Cross was a highly touted freshman last year. And as the season went on, Loxley said yesterday, and you could even notice it as a fan when you watched him, when he played, he had daily improvement and played some of his best football at the end of the year. And I asked Nick yesterday uh, in media availability, I asked him if he felt like he needed to take more of a leadership role this season, seeing how much experience he had last year. And he talked about how for him, it's just all about being a role model for the younger guys, being confident out there, knowing what he's doing. And I think he's going to potentially be a really important leader on the back end of that defense. And then transferring to Antoine Richardson, who is one of the leaders of this defense. He was supposed to be one of the leaders last year, but then unfortunately went down to the torn ACL in camp. I think he's going to bounce back and be another guy that's really important for this defense because both Keandre Jones and Antoine Brooks were excellent leaders for this defense. Antoine Brooks was signed to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he was drafted by them, I should say, in the sixth round. And I think that Antoine is going to be able to fill in for other Antoine and uh, provide some solid leadership for that back end of the secondary. Yeah, I've got Cross running down as well. I mean, he looked great last year. Two interceptions, five uh, passes defended. And that secondary is going to be need to be really good this year because I don't know where this team is going to get any kind of pass rush. Like, I just don't see any way that they get pressure on the quarterback consistently without needing to bring extra guys on a blitz. And if that's the case, then your your uh, defend your secondary needs to be able to uh, hold up in either man coverage or in, you know, just kind of like prevent zone coverage. And that's where Cross is going to be really needed to contain some of the better receivers in the Big Ten. Also, I also thought about Ayin DeLay. He's a junior linebacker. And again, I think that he's going to be a guy that might take over some uh, play calling responsibilities in terms of relaying the play to the rest of the defense. I think it's going to be one of him or Campbell just because they're more experienced guys. And so I'm really curious to see what he develops into. It's really hard to gauge how these guys are going to look through this year just because we haven't seen them at all. We haven't seen any practices, but 
I think based on last year, what we saw and the kind of growth that you'd expect over a pretty long off season, you'd like to see those, those guys cross LA Campbell, Antoine all step into bigger roles and leadership roles for this defense. I was going to say, I'm glad you brought up AC Lee because for me, I think that he could potentially be the breakout player of this Maryland defense. I, I watching ACE in the past, he's one of those linebackers that his ball, his ball pursuit is tremendous. He's all over the field. He's a really physical guy, particularly in the run game. He's always stuffing holes and you know, you always know where he is on the field. And I think, I don't think there's too many guys that opposing offensive coordinators are going to game plan for um, on Maryland's defense, but I do think that Ace is going to develop into one of those guys, and I think that he could potentially end up being the most impactful player on this Maryland defense come the end of the year. Yeah, and they're going to need impact players because, once again, I mean, do you think they're going to have anywhere near a decent pass rush this year? Do you see it? I personally don't, especially at yeah. the start of the year, but I think the biggest thing is similar to other positions. It's not going to be one guy. It's going to be a committee. Everybody's going to have to chip in. Yeah. Everybody's going to have to do their job. If, if the Maryland pass rush is going to want to be successful this year, I personally don't see it. And I don't think you do either. I don't want to speak for you, but they're not going to have a guy yeah, that's going to have half sacks this year. It's going to be one guy with three, another guy with three and a half, another guy with two and a half. Everybody's going to have to chip in and do their part. If the Terps defense is going to want to provide uh, consistent pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And they're going to need to do that if they want to have success this year with, with some of the teams that they play against, whether it's a Justin Fields at Ohio state, a Sean Clifford at Penn state and other talented schools like Michigan and Michigan state, you're going to have to get pressure on the quarterback. That's how you cause turnovers. And that's how you win games on the defensive side of the ball. And if Maryland isn't able to do that, it's definitely going to be a tough year for them, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. All right. How will the lack of practice time affect this team in the big 10 in general? I mean, listen, they haven't been tackling much. I mean, we haven't seen anything, but they haven't been tackling much in practice. It's been a shorter practice than usual. How do you think that's going to affect this team, especially, you know, a young team like Maryland? I'll tell you what, I'm actually in the minority here. I don't think it's going to affect them very much. And I'll tell you why. I don't think it's going to affect them very much because every single team in the big 10 is in the exact same circumstances. If Maryland struggles to tackle, so is Northwestern. And then so are Ohio State and Penn State and some of those perennial powerhouses because all of these teams haven't been able to do physical contact up until the past couple of weeks for 10 months. All of them have been working on thudding and things like that to try and mimic tackling, but they haven't actually been able to do it. So I think early on, it's something that everybody's going to struggle with. Now, granted, you do bring up a good point. Maryland's defense is very young in a lot of areas, so they may be impacted in that more than other teams. However, I don't think that it's going to impact them as negatively as maybe it's perceived to, because like I said, I think it's going to be something that everybody needs to adjust to and that everybody in the conference is going to struggle with. I think, I think you're right, but I think Maryland is probably going to get hit a little bit harder with some, you know, tackling issues than others just because of their youth. Another thing where I think the lack of practice, the lack of practice time is going to affect them is I think you're going to just see some mental mistakes, whether it's dumb penalties, whether it's guys not picking up blitzes correctly, whether it's miscommunication in the secondary, you're going to see that kind of stuff more this year. I mean, Loxley talked about it a lot in one of the scrimmages where he saw a lot of penalties and because just sloppy play in general. So I think you're, I mean, you obviously hope that's not the case, but I think we're going to see some, especially early in the year, you're going to see some just mental mistakes as they adjust to not really practicing much because, you know, like picking up blitzes is something that's you have to be able to experience it to do it. And same for tackling, same for coverage. So the lack of time working in the playbook and in the coverages might, uh, I, I think it's going to have an effect. And I think it's going to affect everyone, but 
I think it's going to maybe hurt Maryland a little bit more just because of their youth and general inexperience. All right, last question. What do you, well, second to last question, what do you need to see from the Terps this season to consider it a success? Very simple for me. Be more competitive in the big games. Very simple. Maryland has a shortened schedule this year, but they still play Ohio State. They still play Penn State. They still play Michigan. Three teams that have notoriously given them trouble. They've had one close game against Ohio State in that 52-51 loss, which I was here for and I was in the stadium for, which was an absolute heartbreaker. But they need to be more competitive against these good teams. Obviously, there's a talent disparity between programs like Maryland and programs like Ohio State and Penn State because they're the blue bloods of the Big Ten. And I think Coach Loxley and his staff have laid a nice foundation, as you said. And I think in the in the future, the Terps are definitely going to be able to compete against those teams more and more but for me for this season to be considered a success they need to be more competitive in those big games and I also think they need to have a solid play at quarterback whether that's Talia or whether that's Lanch something encouraging from either of those two young quarterbacks to build on for the future they're both young a lot of this roster is young and quarterback is it definitely in professional sports. And I think you could make the argument as well in college is the most important position. And if your team wants to have success, your quarterback needs to be successful. So for me, in order for Maryland football to be a success this year, they need to be more competitive in those big games and they need to see encouraging signs from both of their young quarterbacks. Yeah. For me, it's really, really simple. And you said it, you got to find your quarterback for the next two years, whether it's Lance, whether it's Talia, you got to find out who it is and you got to be able to say, all right, this is our guy heading into next year and he's going to be a star, right? Because these these guys both have star potential. They came in as four-star recruits. They're really highly touted. I mean, obviously we know Talia's older brother was one of the greatest college quarterbacks ever. You have to find that guy. And if you, if you win one game, but it's because the defense is really bad, your offense is great and you have your quarterback, that's a success for me, right? Because... That means you were able to, because a quarterback is the most important position. You can fi- figure out defense, you can scheme up defense, but if you don't have a quarterback, it makes your life so much more difficult. And I think that's what it's going to be. And I think if you find the quarterback, I think you're going to win some games just because you're going to win some shootouts. And if they, if they were able to find that quarterback and we're able to say at the end of this season, we're able to look back and say, damn, that that's the guy, you know, that's, that's, that's UMD's quarterback for the next two years. Watch out. That That's what I would consider a success for this year. All right, last and maybe the most important question. How many wins are the Terps going to have this year? So I'm just going to base it on the eight-game regular season because we obviously don't know who they're going to play in their ninth regular season game, so I'm not going to factor that in right now. But I'm going to say that the Terps go three and five this year. And I think that given their schedule, I think that that could be defined as a successful season, considering that you play you play Michigan, you play Michigan, you play Ohio State and you play Penn State, who are three of the best programs in the Big Ten. And and also, not to mention, you play two Big Ten West opponents, and one of them is Minnesota, who's ranked this year and is a very talented team. Last so, year, they were like eight, I think, at the end of the year. Yes, they were. And those, those are four teams that Maryland should presumably lose to. But obviously, that's not the way that Maryland is going to think. They're going to try and attack those teams and think that we can play with them. So I there are definitely some winnable games on Maryland's schedule, but I'm going to say that they go three and five this year, although I could easily see them squeaking out another game, whether it be over a team like Indiana or a team like Michigan State for their fourth win of the year and potentially finishing four, four and four. But ultimately, if you ask me right now what I think their record would be, I'm going to say three and five. What do you think? I think it's going to be four and four. That's what I'm thinking. Again, three losses, you kind of just chalk them up already, right? And you hope that they stay close in those games and you see some flashes of life for them on like last year. But the question is, 
what do you do with the rest of the schedule? I mean, you've got Northwestern, you've got Minnesota, you've got Indiana, you've got Michigan State. Those are four winnable games right there. I think those are teams that you can beat. And Minnesota is the toughest one out of those, but those are teams you can beat. And of course, Rutgers as well is another game that they should win. You want to take yourself out of the dregs of the Big Ten and you want to take yourself into the middle. That's what, that's what you're looking for. Cause you're not going to get to, unless we're totally misjudging this team and everyone is totally misjudging this team. They're not going to be in the Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan realm. But if you're say as good as Michigan state or Indiana, and you're able to get into that middle tier of the big 10, or maybe even the high end of the middle tier, that's a sign of improvement. And that's what I think coach Loxley needs to look for. And then you build off that for next year with another recruiting class and some young guys getting better. And you build off that to build this into a program. Patience is key, right? This is a, this is a team that was not very good and had to deal with a lot of struggle last year. That's what you're, you're hoping that this year is a step, a step forward towards a better, uh, a better future for, the, for this program. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. Any, any last words, Jacob? No, I, yeah, I was just going to say those are some really good points. I definitely think that sustained improvement is another big thing for Maryland this year. And despite of their record, if they can continue to improve week after week, regardless of their record, I think they can see this season as a win. All right. Uh, plug your socials and where people can find your work. Uh, my Twitter is at Jacob Stein 23. I will be covering all the Maryland fo- home football games in person. I will be live tweeting all the action and I know Varun will have some content relating to the football games as well. So make sure to follow me on Twitter at Jacob Stein 23. All right. You can find me at, uh, at by Varun Shankar. I'll put it in the bio so you guys don't have to type it out, but it's V A R U N S H A N K A R. You can find me on Twitter. And I'm going to be tweeting as well, but more analysis type stuff. I'm going to do some writing. Of course, if you haven't yet, subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can find this on the WMUC Sports Podcast feed. This is the Hail Maryland Podcast. Mm-hmm.